Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be talking about St. Francis of Assisi. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Did I say that right? I think so. Is it Assisi? I have no idea. I do know in Spanish it's just Assi. Assi. Yeah. All right. San Francisco de Assi. Assisi just sounds like I'm being mean to him. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be. (laughs) He seems like an all right dude. He does. Um, So we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right. So today um, we're going to be diving into another one of those little biography kind of pieces we yeah, like to do every yeah, once in yeah. a while. We kind of do a life story or a faith story of somebody who is no longer with us. We we talk about the ones that are too sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. But, but sometimes it is it is fun to look back on uh, the people, I mean, the great names of our faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is definitely one of them. Absolutely. So um, do you want to kind of get us started out on, on who this dude is? Yeah. So I kind of first really started looking at Francis of, of Assisi. I'm not going to be able to say that. And, and I began looking at St. <laughs> Francis because my wife worked at uh, Franciscan Health. And uh, it all it all goes back to St. Francis. So I uh, kind of got interested in him, did a little bit of research on him. And the dude is really cool. I mean, what he did was absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, diving into who he is and actually before we get into like maybe maybe going into him specifically uh it's probably good to say we're we're a protestant podcast you know and so some of the some of the stories and stuff that are probably going to get talked about in this podcast episode some of that's going to have to probably get chalked up to legend or myth <laughs> definitely um versus historical account and yeah. so take some of what we say with a grain of salt because uh some of this is more kind of mystical in its nature some of the stories that we may may or may not talk about i've right. i've left out a few to be honest right. um but overall we we just want to look at this because like you got to you've got to consider the fact that before 1500 before the reformation before the reformation what was it 1540 what is it? Uh, 1522. 1522. Yeah. Before the Reformation, I should probably know that, but before the Re- Reformation, <laughs> we were all part of the Catholic Church. Like, there were no other options. I mean, there well, was I there mean, was the Eastern was Orthodox the church. church. Yeah. But, like, there was just kind of one big mass. Yeah. yeah. You did have yeah. the offshoot of, of Orthodoxy. So, but... really, St. Francis is part of our church history as well. Right. Yeah. And so... It deserves talking about. So kind of what's going on. Um, uh, Francis was born uh, 1181. I think he dies 1228, uh, if I remember right. So, you know, he, that's, that's, uh, he, he wasn't 50 years old when he yeah. died. He was still a relatively young man. 
we're looking at this the time of Genghis Khan. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early 1200s. Now, a totally different section of the yeah, world, yeah. but that was going on at the same time. It's so weird when you start lining things up historically like that, because just being in different parts of the world, yeah. it, it can seem hundreds or, or thousands of years apart, and they're the same time frame. William Wallace, Braveheart, is like 100 years later. Really? This is during Francis's lifetime. Uh, King, is it King uh, James, I think it is? signs the Magna Carta in England. And I didn't realize this. That's King John signs the Magna Carta. I didn't realize that, but something similar just a couple of decades later is signed in Denmark that limits the king's power and gives more power to the people of Denmark. So the big thing, though, that's going on is this is the time of the Crusades, the 4th, 5th, and 6th Crusades uh, all take place during uh, Francis's lifetime. And actually, we need to come back and talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Very cool. Um, so maybe we get into, you know, his, his early years when he's born. Um, yeah. So uh, Francis... What year did we say he was born in? Eleven eighty one, I believe. Eleven eighty one slash eighty two. Yep. Um, but he, and he died in twenty six, so he's forty five years old. Got it. So he's he's born uh, to an Italian father named Pietro and a French right. mother named Pica. Right. And I actually find it very interesting that his mother's French and his father's Italian because that just kind of plays into the his dad's obsession yep. with. Yep. The French even French. more. <laughs> right, right, right. So Because his name is not actually Francis. So, so right. What it, I read that he had him renamed. I oh, don't know if that, that right? I don't okay, know if it was a be. legal renaming or just like a, he chose not to refer to him. But when he was born, it, his dad was away and his mom named him Johnny. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Giovanni. Giovanni, right? Right. And his dad gets back. He'd been on a trip to, guess where? France. <laughs> and he gets back from France and finds this out. And he is mad about it because he doesn't want his son to be a man of God. He wants his son to be a businessman like himself. I didn't realize that. Okay. So he didn't like the name Giovanni. Right. Because it's biblical. Right. He didn't want him dedicating wow. his life to to the church, right? He wanted a, a businessman for a son. And so he's raised um, pretty wealthy. His father is, uh, he's a. Uh, he, he's a fabric. He's a textile. There merchant. you go. I was looking yeah. for the word. Right. Um, so he's, he's all about fashion. He's all about culture. He's all about, he, he loves emulating the French. And I understand that, that uh, Francis he would dress up. He loved wearing the fancy clothes. Yes. He grows up. He grows up very wealthy. He grows up. Um, he actually, I forget the exact quote, but he essentially says, I was living in absolute sin in my early wow. years because wow. he got really popular with everybody. So um, to kind of jump back real quick. Yeah. His dad renames him Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's Elf after the, after right the there. French, yeah, <laughs> Francisco, uh, Frenchman. <laughs> yeah, so he's the Frenchman. He grows up super likable kid. Everybody likes this guy, and he um, he's partying constantly, and that's kind of where the whole like I grew up in absolute sin sort of thing. He was like this very well liked socialite kind of character in his early years. I think. Didn't Augustine kind of do that too? I feel like he wrote a book called Confessions, and uh, I'm pretty sure that was Augustine. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. But then again, like I feel like that's like seventy percent of all human beings probably, ever. Probably. Like, you well, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but but yeah, I think you're right. Um, and so um, he eventually, uh, and and stop me anywhere you want, but he he eventually feels like he wants more out of life. Like it's not. It's not working just being this like 
little socialite dude that's just popular and partying right, all the time. Right, right. So he decides he wants to be a knight. Okay. Because that's a big deal. Right. Right. And um, he ends up going off. Uh, he joins a military expedition in 1202. And uh, he goes to Perugia or Perugia. How do you say that? I'm not sure. Whatever. That's yeah. all good. I don't even, yeah. It's say, say it with a French accent. You're probably okay. <laughs> and So th this is just city-states in Italy that are fighting each other. They're right. fighting for control. And uh, this was one of the cities that his city, Assisi, was attacking. Right. And so he gets taken prisoner. And uh, he spends a year as a captive. And he gets this illness that causes him to just kind of rethink everything. And he then comes back to uh, Assisi in 1203 and kind of comes back to his carefree socialite, you know, rich kid life. So that vision didn't do him any good. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it's, it's like it was kind of a jolt, but it's not the one that not breaks the camel's one, back, yeah. right? And, and and you get like these snippets of there's this legend that uh, uh, before he went off to war that a beggar came by his dad's shop and he was trying to to beg for money and he his dad kicked him out of the store and then uh, Francis tracked him down and gave him everything that he had and his dad kind of mocked him for that you, you idiot you know why would you do that but that, so you get these snippets where he's kind of aware that god may have bigger things for him but he's not able to pull the trigger he 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 keeps on doing what he's always done which is basically living the high life well kind of like okay. when so that part you just mentioned that seems to happen later when he joins oh, okay. a pilgrimage to Rome, where he joins, uh, he he joins uh, the poor in begging at Saint Peter's Basilica. Oh, okay. And okay. so that that little piece uh, seems to happen later. Um, but then again, once again, some of this stuff almost seems like the high tales, like the tall tales that just kind of get built later. Yeah, you and never then, know how much of this is right. right so like, did that happen? When did that happen? Or is that just a story that kind of reflects the character that Francis eventually takes on? Right. Gotcha. So it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but he ends up in 1205. So he comes back uh, from Perugia, uh, from uh, Calistrata in 2003, right? Comes back to his carefree life. Now it's two th or it's a uh, 1205. And he leaves for Apulia to enlist in the army of Walter the 3rd, Count of Brienne. And on his way, he never even makes it to the battle. And it's kind of important to mention too. I I once again, I'm not sure how much of what I'm about to say right here is historically accurate, but this is as far as like the stories seem to go is he starts telling everybody that he's going to go to this war, to this battle, right? And he's going to go be this knight and everything. And so his dad supposedly pays for like this finest suit of armor. And it's like gold embossed and this beautiful armor. And everybody, he's got all the nicest stuff. And he's going off because he's going to go be this, this knight, right. right? And he never even makes it to the battle because he has a vision from God telling him that he's got it all wrong. He's seeing it all backwards. This right, is not where right, God right. wants him. So he comes back home and it just ruins his reputation because now you've got this dude who's been, I mean, he's been this likable guy forever, but now he's just kind of hightailed it away from the battle. And that is a huge character defamation situation. Like that's not good. You don't want that on your on your track record. And now he comes back and now is when he starts to take on uh, more of this idea of, um, of his, his obsession with seeking poverty is, is what it really seems to be. Right. And he, he never really talks about the vision that he had that, that drew him back, but people kind of think that it was a vision of, 
uh, himself as uh, as poor, hmm. and and that he should come back and willfully and actively embrace poverty in order to get closer to God. Apparently, at one point, a friend asks him if uh, he's thinking of marriage, and he says yes to a fairer bride than any of you have ever seen. <laughs> And a lot of people have kind of jumped in there and, and said that he meant like lady poverty, that he's like okay. gonna yeah. gonna wed this bride, you know? Okay. So that's when he goes on that pilgrimage to Rome. Okay. Right? Okay. Um and, and he's joining the poor and begging at St. Peter's Basilica. Um but this is where he starts spending part portions of his life um asking God for enlightenment and knowledge uh, and understanding and uh and this is where he has this uh vision this uh, they say the icon of Christ, uh, Christ crucified so the Christ on the cross on the wall right apparently um tells him Francis go and repair my church which as you can see is falling into ruins and that's where he kind of develops this obsession with uh, rebuilding the church. Now, he takes that as a literal, like, this church right here this in front of me. This right. in right now. Right. Yeah. But the speculation is, is, is Christ calling him to something greater, like yeah. the big C yeah. versus yeah. the yeah. little C. Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of gets us into just talking about how the story expands from here. But I think that's probably a good primer on, on how he kind of gets introduced into this world of wanting to seek poverty. I guess we could take it a step further and talk about, uh, like you, you were talking about his, his dad and how right. he goes yeah, and pays yeah, for yeah. this. Maybe you want to go into that a little bit on how he ends up paying to repair the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So apparently uh, he leaves that chapel and he goes back to his dad's store and his dad's not there. He's away on a trip again. He sells a bunch of cloth and he pockets the money. He basically steals the money from the store, from his dad. And he goes to the chapel and he gives the priest there the money to rebuild the church. Well, the priest is kind of aware of what's going on. And I, I would imagine that, uh, the priest is probably pretty well connected and knows, uh, Francis's father. And so the priest doesn't take the money and his dad gets back and he is not a happy camper. <laughs> now, Apparently, he didn't want Francis to be that involved in the church. Didn't want him, certainly, to be a man of God. And involvement in the church is okay as long as it helps out the business. So um, what did he end up doing with him? He, 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 like, uh, he ends up taking him before the bishop of Assisi. Okay. And okay. Uh, Francis ends up, because I guess he... He called, he was trying to call him like before, like a civil court sort of situation. And Francis wouldn't accept the summons. He wouldn't respond. And so his dad eventually drags him before the bishop. And, uh, Francis basically renounces his father, his own dad, and says, Now I can truly say, uh, our father who art in heaven. And he renounces like all of his worldly possessions and he strips naked. And, uh, he, he, he's going to go out into the wilderness essentially. And they say, and you know, once again, I don't know how true this is, but apparently the bishop, uh, wrapped his own cloak around him because now you got this naked dude standing right. in the chapel. Well, I and could see that right. taking yeah, place. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> but, um, and he goes out and, uh, then he lives out in the hills behind Assisi. Um, and he, Works at this neighboring monastery, uh, working as a scullion. And, uh, then, then he went to Gubbio and, um, basically a friend ends up hooking him up, giving him some stuff to say, Hey, um, you know, you, you need some clothes, you need some cash. Here's a staff. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I'm glad he was looking out. Right. And then he ends up going back to Assisi. And this is where it gets really interesting. 
Um, and this is where Francis, I think, start his character really starts to show through. Because up until now, he's been kind of problematic. Like, it's been a bumpy ride right, kind of right. ironing this thing out. But now it's like, okay, he's renounced everything. He's got nothing to lose anymore. And I think that might have been the freeing moment for the guy because it's like he seems to develop some clarity at this point. He stops begging for money and he starts begging for stones and he starts carrying the stones to this nearby church to repair Which is himself. more than, than rocks. I mean, these would have been worked uh, – um, I don't even know how to say it, but like, they would like have been bricks. square. Yeah, like, like yeah. bricks. Like, right, but big bricks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, so it's not just random rock. Yeah. This is like stone for building. Right. But point being, and this is really important, uh, once once other people start seeing what Francis is doing and they start catching on and they kind of like want to become a part of this, because he does, he starts developing a following. He tells all his people, you never beg for money. You count money as pebbles. You do not ask for money. You ask for what you need. And I love that. Like that's, that's that's kind of a beautiful thing, right? Like, so they, they do beg, but it's in order to provide for the purposes they actually need, not for. So he needed stone to rebuild the church. So he asked for people to give him stone. Exactly. And I, I guess he goes back to these chapels. And he physically rebuilds the church himself. Mm-hmm. He's laying the stone there. Yeah, it's a Saint Damiano's. Okay, yeah. okay. And and he carried them to the chapel, sets them in place himself, and rebuilds it over the course of two years. Wow, that is wild. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. It's probably not like a ginormous chapel. Oh, I imagine not. But. But still, Can even you a small chapel. <laughs> like yeah. You're laying the brick yourself. You're mortaring them into place. That is a hard, hard job. I spent one. So I, I worked in a, uh, in a haunted house for many moons. I think uh-huh. this has come up uh-huh. once or twice, but, uh, we did, we did a, a year where we were mo- doing a mock up, uh, New Orleans style cemetery where it's all above ground oh. and we bricked and mortared in that whole thing. And we called it the year of concrete. And the joke was, we hope it's like the Chinese calendar where this doesn't come for another hundred years <laughs> because we were all dying. Like yeah. we ended up like, I, it's hard work. It is so hard. And people don't understand that like stonework, concrete work is yeah. miserable. Yeah. And the people that are good at it deserve way more kudos than they get because it's hard. So yeah, I mean, I, I can only level with him just a smidgen and right, it's well right, enough right, to right. appreciate this guy. Um, so yeah, that's super cool. Um, but like that, this is, I mean, that's kind of the, the picture of who he is. I mean, that's sort of the, the main story most people talk about when they talk about St. Francis and that's kind of your, your background to him. That's sort of the one Oh one primer course. Right. Okay, yeah. But that's not the part we want to focus on. Right. 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 You want to take us into that? Okay. So uh, he begins to get followers. First of all, he begins uh, for himself. He sets a, a rule, uh, sort of uh, what it is that he wants to live by. And uh, uh, he embraces, actively and willingly embraces poverty. He uh, begins to talk about this. He locates in... Uh, is it the Chapel of St. Mary's, the Church of St. Mary's, something like that? Not sure. But it's, it's uh, oh, here it is, Chapel of St. Mary of the Angels. So um, he, he uh, just kind of takes that church as his home, and he begins to get a following. And uh, eventually there are 11 people that begin to follow him. He... The, this friend of his that gave him clothes, that's pretty much what he wore. It's just a very simple tunic, a staff, a rope belt. Any pictures that you see of St. Francis, his belt is a rope, just uh, twine, pretty much. Uh, just very, very simple. He begins to devote himself to this life of... Uh, 
of of poverty. He works in uh, leper houses that are around Assisi. Hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know exactly what they mean when they call it, when they talk about leprosy. But uh, these were people who were ill. And so he goes in and he helps them. Have you, Did you read the story of him with the leper? No, I didn't. Where there's a couple versions I read. So once again, this one feels like it borders more on like maybe myth than truth. But one I'm wanting to say was like they were begging for alms or something and he gave an alm to a leper and then he kissed them on the hand. That's like one version. The other one is that one seems more credible to me. The other one is he's like walking down this road and he sees this leper and he, so the reason this is important is he had a lot against lepers. He was freaked out by them. He didn't want to be around them because they're sick, they're smelly, they're whatever. And so he's close enough that he can smell them. He's near them. He's, he's not comfortable, but he uh, kisses them on the hand and they kiss him back on the hand. And he, Walk, he's like riding off or walking off, whatever. And when he turns around to w- say goodbye, they're not there. That's the okay. That's yeah. the mystical yep, yep, yep. kind of meh. But the point <laughs> is, um, he he kind of I, I I guess from the perspective of like I'd say the Catholic tradition on this would be like that that was God giving his you know blessing to him for for showing love to those that he did not okay. want to now regardless of whether that is true or not he does have a history yeah. of working with lepers and this is would not be something for a high class individual as himself right. growing oh, up yeah 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 this is something he has gotten himself into right. this is a life he has chosen right so with these followers, he figures he needs some sort of uh, authorization, so he goes to Rome, and uh, he is able, through a contact that he has there, to have an audience with the Pope, and he asks the Pope to establish this order of friars, and the Pope says, well, not yet. Eleven people, that's not very big. He said, you you keep doing it. He did authorize them to keep meeting. They were tonsured, and I never knew what that meant. But, uh, you know, you see uh, uh, friars uh, have no hair on the top of their head. Well, they they shave it. Uh, That is apparently a sign of humility. And uh, when they would tonsure you, it it was sort of your uh, badge of approval. Yeah, you can go on doing this. Now, I didn't understand this until I was doing research here for this uh, particular podcast. The difference between priests, friars, and monks. I just thought it was different names for the same thing, but it is not at all. A priest has been authorized by the Catholic Church to administer sacraments. They're put in a in a particular diocese Mm -hmm. or church, and there they are to do everything that uh, the church people need. So sacraments, they can can, uh, administer last rites, they can administer the rite of baptism, uh, they can administer the rite of marriage. So the priest is actually administering rites. A friar is not connected to any one parish, any one church. Whereas a priest would be. Whereas a priest definitely is. And in fact, there are different kinds of priests as well. There's the diocesan priest, a religious priest, or a monastic priest. Um, A friar is just a friar. And they kind of live in the community, and they're just among the community serving. Friar just means brother. So uh, Francis never became a priest. It's like, he was only a friar. It's like a layman priest. Kind of. yeah, like like yeah. you can't order it. It's kind of like issue a deacon. Yeah. Right, right. It's Well, it's not even a deacon because he gets okay. made a deacon. He is later made a deacon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like your – how do I even say this? Like it's a layman, but it's a layman with a title. 
Right. <laughs> like, is that a fair way to put yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of he's not clergy. He's secular in that sense. He's right. laity, uh, but he's like a cut above laity because he's dedicated himself to something specific. But it also seems like everything I've read is that's how he preferred it. He mm-hmm. wanted it that way. He he didn't want a title. He didn't want prestige. He didn't believe in it. He wanted to be one of just everybody else. A monk is uh, tied to a monastery instead of a instead of a church. Now I'm not sure if a monk is actually. Um, A monk is a priest, but instead of being tied to a church, he is tied to a monastery. Right. The friar is not. Francis never became a priest or a monk. He was always a friar. So he could never administer the sacraments. Uh, He just did what he did. His goal was to serve people. And he would beg. He would... uh, uh, beg for people and try to provide their needs in that way. Uh, but he, he never really looked for high praises or high positions. He was always just incredibly happy to simply serve. That is what is so cool about him. He's got this awesome quote where he says, uh, he's, he's all about, he's all about being poor. He wanted to be poor. Mm -hmm. And he's got this quote that says, what could you do to a man who owns nothing? You can't starve a fasting man. You can't steal from someone who has no money. And you can't ruin someone who hates prestige. (laughs) And I love that. It's great. Like he's totally reliant on God for all his needs. And he does it by just asking the people around him, the believers around him, for what he needs and for what others need. It's very interesting. His group grows. And uh, one of the ways it grows is uh, there is a lady, uh, uh, Claire from Assisi, who it's like she wants to join uh, the Franciscans. By now they're, they're kind of known as the Franciscans. But she can't because she's a woman. And so uh, he starts another group. Um, and they all kind of adhere to Claire. That's why today you have uh, St. Francis and St. Claire just kind of go together. They take the same vows, the same vow of poverty, the vow of begging, uh, the vow to serve the people that they're working with. But the Franciscans are men, the uh, followers of Claire, I don't even know what to call them, the Clarites or whatever, um, are, are women, they're nuns. Man, where is it? I just had it. Nope, keep going. I'll okay, find it. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So eventually Francis goes back to the Pope. He's now got a large number of followers. And while the Pope is thinking about, do we establish this order of friars or not? Uh, Francis um, uh, forms what he calls uh, uh, the uh, order of brothers, order of friars and sisters of penance, and uh, then Pope Innocence III eventually does uh, uh, ordain them. Kind of, ordain isn't the right word, but he authorizes this order within the Catholic Church. So the Franciscans are officially born. I'm not sure exactly what what year that is. I think it's. Uh, Somewhere around 2012 or so, somewhere in that area. Backtracking. Uh, okay. They called it the Order of Poor Ladies. There you go. Or it's called the Order of St. Clair, but it's commonly referred to as Poor Clares. 
poor Claire's. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Now, this is where things really get interesting. And this is what really, really, uh, I had never known this before I started studying Francis. And uh, this is during the Crusades. So at the same time that the Catholic Church is authorizing and even financing knights to go to the Holy Land and reconquer the Holy Land in Jerusalem for the Christian Church. And by doing that, what we're saying is they went there to kill Muslims and Jews <laughs> because they were taking this territory for uh, the Catholic Church. And how do you take territory? You kill the people who live there. So they were going, they were killing Muslims and Jews. Not a whole lot of Jews there. The Jews were kind of other places, but they were still in Palestine. But it was largely inhabited by Muslims. At the same time this is going on, Francis goes to Egypt and he locates in a city that happens to be under siege. It's being attacked by uh, a Muslim, let's see, uh, a sultan. Uh, oh boy, what is his name? Al-Kamil, a nephew of Saladin, who is uh, one of the head honchos. Uh, at that time. Mm -hmm. He waits until there's a truce and he crosses enemy lines and he goes in to talk to the Sultan and he witnesses to him. He goes in to evangelize him. He goes in to tell him about Jesus and he does. And the amazing thing is when Francis comes out, he never really talks about it. He never really says what they've done. We can't find any uh, uh, accounts from the Muslim side of things of what went on, of what their conversation was either. There is one legend that Sultan al-Kamil, years later on his deathbed, uh, had a deathbed conversion. Eh, who knows? Uh that may or may not be true. But what is true is as soon as Francis leaves, the Muslims say, Francis, you can come to Palestine and do whatever you want. If you want to come here and preach, you come here and preach. If you want to come here and uh, minister to the sick, you come and minister to the sick. And he was officially called the protector of Jerusalem, hmm. both by the Catholic Church and by the Muslims. And he was given the right to go to Jerusalem, go to Palestine, where he kind of protected the Christian sites, uh, things that the Muslims wouldn't be interested in, like uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, uh, the Church of the Nativity, uh, different sites like that. Francis uh, was able to go there because he was respected by both sides and nobody really bothered him there. I think that is absolutely incredible. At the same time that the Crusades are going on, here's this guy, a friar, not a priest, just a brother who goes evangel. He's a missionary. He is a cross-cultural missionary. And uh, although... We don't have records of wild numbers of people converting and turning to the Lord. That's not the point. He's respected by both sides, and he's given free passage. That is super interesting. I mean, it, it, honestly, like if there's one thing to take away from the life of St. Francis, it's to understand that that you don't have to be one, you don't have to be like a pastor or a priest or you don't have to be like, 
this, you don't have to have the title. You don't have to have the prestige or whatever, however you look at it, right? Not saying that those things should have prestige. I'm just saying people put those positions on a pedestal a lot of the time. That was a lot of peas. Um, <laughs> but, but he's just some dude. Yeah. And he yeah. did the one thing no one else was. Everybody else is fighting. Right. And he's like, Hey, I'm just going to go talk Let's to him now. Talk. <laughs> like, yeah. That's beautiful, man. Like that that's somebody looking at a Christ-like lifestyle. And listen, this is not me saying there's not a time for war. All right? Like stuff happens. We yeah. live in a fallen yeah, world. We live in a fallen world. War happens. But if you could talk it out instead, shouldn't you? Definitely. And he does, right? And he like does. He's such an interesting dude. I just love the fact, one, he's got this absolute reliance on God that he's going to take yes. care of it. He's going to take care of my needs, and he's going to take care of this situation because we're just going to go talk. I'm not going to fight him. I'm not going to – I'm not going to war. I'm not doing – like I also think it's super interesting that he ends up – like when you look at his early life, he's the guy that wants to be a knight. And here he is when it really and this comes was down to the it. Crusades. Right. He knew what being a knight meant. Right. And now it's like it all comes down to it. He's got he's playing his part now. And what's he doing? The exact opposite. <laughs> he is walking in and having a conversation about Jesus Christ with a man that doesn't know Jesus. In fact, when he left there, when he left Egypt and went to Palestine, he located in the Crusader camp. And I don't know how long he was there, but it was not long. He left and he went to live in the city of Accra, which is uh, northern Israel. But uh, he couldn't live with the Crusaders. He couldn't live with the other knights. I think he eventually said, you know what? This is identifying a little bit too much with him, and I don't want to do that. Now, I'm putting words in his mouth because he does not say this. He doesn't talk about it a lot. He doesn't talk about what he did with, with the Sultan. Uh, he is not looking for popularity. He's not trying to build himself up in any way. And that may be what's the hardest thing to talk about him, like, is that he he's not all that well documented. No. Because he didn't want to be. <laughs> like, that's right. That's but, right. but that's also why he's as well documented as he is. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Like yeah. it's he he got famous because he didn't want to be. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, but I don't know, man. I, what's your takeaway from all this? Well, there there are a couple of other things uh, that that I did want to look at. Um, one is uh, when you think of Saint Francis, typically you think of animals too, because he's the patron saint of wild animals. I don't know how that took place. Uh, other than the fact that St. Francis is quoted at some point as uh, talking about the creation as a way to get close to God. So because of that, he just had that affinity for animals. And uh, here you get kind of the fantastic things where uh, there's one story about a village that was Oh, there was a wolf outside the village, and it was eating the flocks, and uh, it was attacking townspeople. And uh, the legend is that Francis went up into the mountain, found the wolf, and talked to the wolf, brought it down to the village, and said to the village, now the wolf doesn't know any better. It's just hungry. If you'll feed the wolf, the wolf has agreed to not attack you. And so they, the townspeople feed the wolf, and it never takes another... Uh, lamb or or attacks anybody else again. Eh, who knows if that actually took place? But the fact is, Francis had this affinity for nature. He lived in nature. He left the city. He left the Crusader camp. He he goes to live kind of in the wilderness because he loves nature. Another quote that he has. Because he is a friar and not a priest, he can't administer the sacrament. But he loved the sacrament. And apparently at one time he says, you know, if the bread and the wine are the body and blood 
of Christ. That means that your neighbors have the body and blood of Christ in them. Treat them like the body and blood of Christ. He was all about gentleness and being kind, uh, uh, treating each other uh, uh, well instead of going for the jugular. Right. So the other thing I think of with St. Francis is health. Part of that is because of the Franciscan order today. Uh, just worldwide has a lot of hospitals. They continue to work uh, uh, giving health uh, to the world. Uh, here in Indianapolis, we have a, a large hospital, St. Francis, Franciscan Health. So these are all things that uh, just kind of are identified with St. Francis. And you look at those things and you think, yeah, boy, I, I want to be identified with those things too. Yeah. I found that quote. He's, he was talking about nature. Okay. Um, it's in the Canticle of the Sun. And he gives thanks to God for brother sun, sister moon, brother wind, water, fire, and earth, all of which he sees as rendering praise to God. Isn't that cool? Like, that's cool. Like, that he talks about nature as having, like, as living, like, alongside man. Um, And honestly, some, like, I think we get scared to talk about nature or the animals around us, like, in a, like, a in a kinship kind of way because paganism goes so far with that. But like we are commanded as human beings to govern over them and take care of them. Like we're supposed to love nature and animals. Like that's one of the first things God tells us at the creation, right? Is like, take care of this stuff. Like you should look after it. You should love it. Serve this. Yeah, Yeah. Like that's important. And Francis is, maybe taking that way more seriously than we do today. Um, and then in the end, he he sees that all of that is giving praise to God. So God's at the heart of it still. One last thing is uh, the current Pope is Pope Francis. He took the name of a friar, not a priest. Uh, he took the name of Francis in recognition of the poor and said as he got it started that he wanted to really focus on the poor. Hmm. So no matter what you think about Pope Francis, uh, this is a man who stood up and said, I see St. Francis as someone that I want to emulate. Now, you may have differing opinions about if he has done that or not, but the fact is Francis, St. Francis, uh, was still foremost in his mind. I think even more important than that point uh, to take take a little bit of focus off of the Pope himself is to say that Francis has become a household name to embody those things, yeah. that, that he was a man that sought to be maybe the more – let me say it like this. I feel like none of us ever emulate Christ perfectly, right? Because right? right, we're human. Right. We're, we're broken human beings. Francis seemed to tap into that gentler, kinder, loving, the the servant, the the humility yeah. side yeah. of Christ. Um, and I, I don't know that there's enough of that today, yeah. right? Now, yeah. now, that's not to say that, you know, that's all we need in the world. We don't. We oh, need, no. We need pushy we need people. More. We need, right. we need uh, yeah. table-flipping, bullwhip-cracking Jesus, too. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But, like, it's it's cool that, that Francis was able to tap into that in the way he did. Yeah. So my takeaway from this is look at what a fellow who said, first of all, I'm going to embrace poverty. Secondly, I am just going to look to serve people. And I'm going to try to get people what they need. Given the possibility of fighting or not, he said, I want to talk. Man, I look around and we definitely need a lot more of that. We've got, uh, we're living in an ever increasingly violent society. 
Sure. And we need more Francis's out there. Right. Like that's and, – and to your point, like that's not to say there's not a place for aggression and there's not a place for standing up and, and just being all about what the truth is. Right. But there but is no the deficit of place. that. <laughs> We've already got plenty of that. We need the other two, you know? That like, is more of the last resort <laughs> and I feel like it's become the first resort. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I I, I don't know. that. The the point here isn't for you to go home and be like, I'm going to be just like Francis. He had it all figured out. No, he didn't have it all no, figured out. He He's didn't. a man just like the rest of right. us. But I think he was a person that was trying to follow Jesus. And that's why he's got a cool faith story. And that's why we talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because we can learn something from looking at the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and, and we can maybe pull a little bit out of that and look at other parts and go, mm, maybe don't like that so much. You know, he never really wrote a book. Uh, somebody else wrote his, uh, 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 what's it called, uh, his testament at the end of his life. He kind of looked back and let somebody else write that. But he never really wrote a book. He was not a man with powerful positions. Uh, he just served people. And there's not enough of that around either. True that. <laughs> right on, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this uh, episode and uh, learning a little bit about uh, Christian history with us and about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, if you uh, want to learn more about our podcast, get online, check out all of our episodes at saltysaintspodcast.com. You can also check out lifeaudio.com. There are friends in this podcast world that we live in. And they got lots of crazy, awesome podcasts over there uh, about uh, raising up families, how to pray, how to read your Bible, all sorts of stuff. Get over there. There is something for you. Check them out. We love them. And we love you. So until next time, stay salty. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.